Hey there, workplace warriors. If you are looking to build profitable, lifelong relationships, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Do This, Sell More podcast, where you can make more money than you ever imagined and still get home in time for dinner. Don't miss out on expert tips and strategies from best-selling author Dave Lorenzo and his high-performing guests. The formula is easy. Listen and take action. In other words, do this, sell more. Now, here's your host, the master of relationship sales strategy himself, Dave Lorenzo. Hey there, podcasters. Welcome to another edition of the Do This, Sell More show. My name is Dave Lorenzo, and I'm with you every morning at 9 a.m. We release a brand new show, and today on our show, we have three action-packed segments for you. That's right, three segments today, and we're talking about the discovery questions that you can use to uncover the needs of your clients so that you can deliver more value to them and make more money. The second segment today is a segment on networking for young professionals. And this segment actually comes from a question from one of our viewers on YouTube. One of our viewers reached out and asked a specific question about handling herself at a networking event. What questions should she ask and how should she strike up a conversation? I answer that question for her on YouTube and I'm sharing that answer with you today on the podcast. Finally, our final segment today is about overcoming the fear of rejection. I meet so many people who have such amazing potential and they're not fulfilling it and they're paralyzed by fear. And the thing they fear most is a lack of acceptance or rejection by other people. You shouldn't feel that way. And I'm going to share with you what I do, what I've done throughout my career and what I teach my clients to do to overcome this fear of rejection, to put it behind you so that you're not paralyzed by it. I'm going to have to ask you to excuse me. My voice is a little scraggly today. I spent the weekend this past weekend cheering on my son at a jujitsu tournament. So whatever voice I have left, I'm sharing with you here today on the show. All right, we've got three really big segments for you. So right now, let's get right to it and let's talk about the discovery questions you can use to deliver more value to your clients. Let's go to that segment right now. Discovery questions are the key to success when it comes to closing sales deals. They help you make meetings productive and they help you focus your time as a sales professional. I'm gonna show you the four areas where you need to focus your questions before you ever meet with a prospect on this episode of The Dave Lorenzo Daily. Hi, I'm Dave Lorenzo, and today we're talking about discovery questions. We're talking about the questions you need to ask to determine whether a prospect will be a client just like your ideal client. I'm going to show you the four areas you have to focus on to make certain your prospect is ideal. And then I'm going to give you a bonus tip at the end. That's right. Don't forget, there's a bonus tip all the way at the end of this video that will help you, especially if you're a professional, if you're a lawyer, a CPA, an architect architect, a insurance sales professional, a small business owner, the bonus tip is going to help you make all the difference in not wasting your time with people who can't do business with you. That's the real key. Discovery questions help you focus in on what your client is all about and how you can determine if your prospect is just like your ideal client. It doesn't make any sense for you to go after prospects who are just okay because 
the time that it takes to service a prospect who turns out to be a client that is less than ideal is nowhere near as important. It takes the same amount of time to service a great client as it does to service a so-so client. So let's find out whether your prospect has exactly what it takes to be a great client up front. Okay, the first area you need to focus on to determine whether or not your prospect is like your ideal client is the problem they have for you to solve. It doesn't matter if you sell products, services, or if you're a professional. People come to you because they want you to solve a problem for them. When you first talk to a prospect on the phone, you got to figure out if they have a problem you can solve. And the way to do that is simply to ask them. Here's what I do. I sit back when somebody calls me on the phone and I say to them, tell me why we're speaking. What, what were you hoping I could do for you? That question is money in the bank. What are you hoping I could do for you? I mean, if you want me to wave a magic wand and make you smart, sexy, thin, and rich, I can't do that. But if you're looking for help with sales advice, I'm the guy. I'm glad you called me. So I want to know exactly what they're hoping I can do for them. That's the question I ask up front. I ask it first thing. When I walk into a meeting, if I've set up the meeting, I walk into the meeting, I walk in and I say, okay, why are we here? What are you hoping I can do for you? What are you looking to accomplish today in the meeting? And with a prospective relationship, what do you want to get out of this? So that's the first question, getting to the problem they want solved. The second question, can they make a decision? The people who have the greatest discussions with you usually aren't decision makers. The people who have the longest discussions with you usually aren't decision makers. Decision makers focus on what you can do for them and they focus on the value they're going to receive. So what I like to say is, okay, now that we've talked about the problem and we're both in agreement that I can help you with this problem, let's talk about who we need to involve in this conversation. Are you the only person who will be making the decision on this? Who else do we need to get involved here? Very straightforward, very direct. If you feel like your prospect is going to be insulted by this question, you're talking to the wrong person because the person who's the decision maker will say, I'm the owner of the company, I own the company 100%, I'm the person who makes the decision. Or the person will say, well, we've got a committee and we present before a committee. You need to know where you stand. You need to be talking to decision makers. Don't waste your time with other people unless you're doing it to advance the sales process. Who's the decision maker? That's the second area these discovery questions are going to be valuable. The third place the discovery questions will be valuable is in finding the money. You can't do business with people who can't pay for it. Simple as that. And salespeople who are shy about asking this make a lot of mistakes. And salespeople who don't like to ask about the money up front are people who waste a lot of time. I ask about the money right up front. In fact, the bonus tip that I'm going to share with you at the end of our time together today, that bonus tip is all about the money. So here's how you ask about the money up front. I understand you have this problem. We agree that I can help you solve this problem. You told me that we were in the right place as far as a decision. You're the person who determines whether or not this problem gets solved now. You're the decision maker. Let's talk about resources. What resources do you have set aside to solve this problem. And the resources, by the way, are going to be time, 
money, and people that we can use to help us achieve our goals. So I need to know how much time you're going to dedicate to this, how much money you have set aside, and I need to know about the people you're going to provide me to help me help you achieve the goals. Let's talk about those resources now. And then the one you're really concerned about, obviously, is the money up front. So they're going to go back and forth and say, well, we need to know how much this costs first. You say, no, I don't play that game. I need to know what your budget is because I'm going to provide you with a return on investment based upon the investment you need to make. So I could tell you what investment I think you need to make, but you may not be ready for all the value I'm going to provide there. Let's talk about your budget and let's see what we can do within your budget range. Very upfront, very frank, very candid. Talk about the money up front. Fight about the money up front. Don't leave it till the end. The fourth area you need to focus on with your discovery questions is urgency. You got to find out if they want to solve this problem now. They may have had this problem for 20 years. They may not want to solve it for another five years, but they want to put it in their long-range projections. Here's what you do to determine urgency. You simply say, why haven't you solved this problem already? Or why is now the right time to focus on this? You could have focused on it last year, last month. Why do you want to solve this now? And then when they tell you why, you say, so you're ready to move forward with this today? If I wrote a proposal, sent it over, and we agreed you'd do this today? Up front, very direct, ask those questions. So those are the four areas your discovery questions will help you uncover. You need to discover all of those things before you ever get into a conversation about specifics of your product or your service. Here's the bonus area. You ready? This is the bonus area. If you're in professional services, even if you're an expert in product delivery, you want to charge for your consultation. When someone calls you up and they say, hey, we need you to come over, we need you to talk to our board of directors, we have this problem, we're hoping you can solve it, you say, I'm happy to come over and do that. Here's the thing, I'm an expert in this area, I'm going to give you advice in this area, that advice is valuable for that, there's going to be a $500 consultation fee. There's going to be a $1,000 consultation fee. If someone invests in a consultation with you, they are 50% more likely to do business with you. Why? Because they've made an investment in you. They've invested in you emotionally and they've invested in you financially. The dollar amount of that investment is nowhere near as important as the investment itself. So $500 is fine if it's like a $50,000 or $100,000 engagement. $500 is perfectly adequate. If you're talking about an engagement that could be $10 or $20 million, you're doing a five-year study on the effectiveness of a pharmaceutical drug, they need to invest $1,500, $2,000 for your scientists to come over and do a consultation with them. My point to you is this. People who invest up front already have demonstrated that they value your expertise, they will pay you over the long term. Here's what you need to take away from this. If you're a lawyer or you're a CPA or you're even a financial advisor, like a financial advisor to the affluent, a high-end financial advisor, you should never, ever do a free consultation. I will say that again. Never, ever do a free consultation. Always have people invest in your consultation up front. That is a demonstration of the value they perceive you providing, and it sets the table perfectly for what is to come. 
Those discovery questions are fantastic and I've been using them for years and teaching them to my clients for years and they help you make sure you've identified clients who are absolutely perfect. They're just like your best clients. Be sure and use them right now so you can do this and sell more. It's a trying time that challenges all of our basic assumptions. However, one thing that brings us all together is our common humanity. Now more than ever, teams must come together and work together to solve big challenges. And Trello is here to help. Trello, part of Atlassian's collaborative suite, is an app with an easy-to-understand visual format. Plus, tons of features that make working with your team functional and just plain fun. Teams of all shapes and sizes and companies like Google, Fender, and even Costco all use Trello to collaborate and get work done. With Trello, you can work with your team wherever you are, whether it's at home or in an office. No matter what device you're using, computer, tablet, or phone, Trello syncs across all of them, so you can stay up to date on all the things your team cares about. Keep your workflow going from wherever you are with Trello. Try Trello for free and learn more at Trello.com. That's T-R-E-L-L-O dot com. Trello dot com. All right, now it's time for the mailbag segment. That's right, it's time for the segment of the show where we take a viewer question. And today's question is all about networking. Let's sit back and relax and get to that networking question right now. Today is an office day for me, and I was going through the comments and the mailbag, and I happened to see on one of my YouTube videos a comment from a viewer that I want to make sure I answer. So let me read the comment to you here. The comment is from Becca Cassell, and it says, great info. She's responding to a video that I posted. Uh, She says, I can see how these five steps can help any small or large business bring in more clients. Can you provide a script on how to introduce yourself and your business when you attend networking events? I always find it difficult to break the ice when speaking about my business. I'm sure a lot of small business owners feel the same way. Love to hear your thoughts. Well, Becca, thank you so much for the question. And those of you who don't know, Becca is a fantastic artist. You should check out her channel. I'm going to leave a link in the description of this video to her channel. Definitely check that out. She does a lot of how-to videos on on art and how to develop your art, as well as how to run the business of being an artist, which is a really interesting topic. So Becca's question about how to start a conversation at a networking event is a good one. And it's one that I hear frequently. And it's something that I struggle with too. Believe it or not, I'm an introvert. I am more comfortable speaking in front of a group than I am in a one-on-one setting. So to start a conversation with people at a business networking event, What I do is simply reach out and introduce myself. I stick out my hand and I say, hi, I'm Dave, what's your name? Now, if you don't say, what's your name, 50% of the time people won't tell you their name. I know it sounds crazy, it sounds a little silly, but that's just the way it is. Half the time people won't tell you their name. So I say, hi, my name is Dave, what's your name? They tell me and I say, well, it's really nice to meet you. What do you do for work? And that's the phrase I use. What do you do for work? I don't say, what do you do for a living? I say, what do you do for work? They respond. And whatever they respond with, no matter what they say, I look at them and I go, wow, that's fascinating. How did you get into that? Everybody has a story about how they got into doing what they do. And you're asking to hear their story. You're flattering them. And you're also getting them comfortable with you. So they'll tell you their story and you say, hmm, That's a really good story. I appreciate you telling me that. How's business going for you so far this year? 
Or how's business going for you these days? They'll tell you how business is going for them. Then you can say to them, okay, so business is going pretty well, or okay, so you're experiencing some challenges. If there were one thing about your business you could change, what would that be? They'll tell you. And then you say to them, would you like some help with that? And they'll look at you like, oh my gosh, what do you mean? At that point, you're going to offer to introduce them to someone who could help them with their business, or you're going to offer to help them yourself. That's how you start a conversation at a networking event. The idea is to get people talking, to get them comfortable and get them talking about themselves. Now, often when I present this script to people, I hear, well, Dave, it sounds like you're interrogating them. People aren't going to respond well to that. Not true. When you approach the conversation in this way, there's a very natural back and forth that takes place. I just gave you a bunch of questions now to ask someone, but if we were in a regular business conversation, that whole interaction that I presented to you there, that would take like 15 minutes and the person would feel like you're a great conversationalist because they're getting to do all the talking. Rule number one in sales and rule number one in networking is you speak as little as possible. If you speak more than 25, 30% of the time, you're speaking too much. You want the other person speaking 70 to 80% of the time. You want them sharing information with you about themselves, about their business, and about how you can help them. Your goal in any networking interaction is to find out who you can connect that person to to deliver value to them or their business. You heard me correctly. Who can you connect that person to to deliver value to them or their business? That's what you're looking to do. You're not looking to sell anything there. You're not looking to pitch them on a product or service. You're looking to deliver value through connecting them with someone else you know who can help them solve a problem or achieve a goal. Now, I want to make sure we address a couple of variations of some of these questions. Let's take, let's take it from the top. Let's go back to the very beginning. You introduce yourself, you say, my name is, and you say your name, what's your name? They tell you. If you're at an event where there are business people, but it's a social event, so there could also be folks who are caretakers. 100% of their job is taking care of their kids, or 100% of their job is taking care of an elderly parent, so they work at in their house every day doing things that are really important, but they don't go out and earn a living. If you're in a room with those people where there are homemakers or people who take care of the kids all day, Instead of saying, what do you do for work, you may say, so tell me, what's going on in your life? What do you do that, that takes up your time? Or what do you do between 9 and 5 to keep busy? That question is fantastic. What do you do between 9 and 5 to keep busy is a fantastic question because if people are in the corporate world, they'll say, what do I do between 9 and 5? I work. And you say, oh, what do you do for work? If they are homemakers, they'll say, well, I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home dad or I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom. I take care of my kids all day. I pick up and drop off kids between nine and five all day long. And that will get you into that conversation in that way. So that's one variation. Another variation of this is if people start to give you short answers and they start to say things like, yep, and nope. 
What do you do for work? Oh, I sell insurance. Oh, you sell insurance. That's fascinating. How did you get into that? Well, my dad owned the insurance agency, and when I graduated college, I was too lazy to look for work. So I just decided to come into the office every day, and when the old man retired, I inherited the business from him. Huh, pretty cool. I wish I inherited a business from my dad. Tell me a little bit about what your plans are for the rest of the year. Well, I don't know. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. You know how that goes. Yeah, I know how that goes. How do you get most of your business? Where do your clients come from? You see where I'm going with this. Keep peeling the onion layer after layer until you get to the point where you've figured out who you can connect this person to to help them with their business. Networking events in general are tedious. They're boring. They can be annoying at times. Your goal should be to make just three good contacts at a networking event, three good contacts, because you have to do a significant amount of follow-up work after the networking event to make sure that that becomes a real relationship. Your goal at a networking event is to transform the person you just met into either a client or an evangelist down the road, but first deliver value to them. So your goal at the networking event is to find out who you can introduce this person to. The next step for you when you get back to your office is to make that connection between those two people. So Becca, thank you so much for your question. Everybody visit Becca's YouTube channel to learn what an artist goes through, the business aspect of art. You'll also discover how to do large murals. Becca's a fantastic artist. So join me on Becca's channel. She updates the channel frequently. You'll learn a lot. Thank you, Becca, so much for that question. That was a really good one. We'll be sure to check out your channel on YouTube. And now it's time for our final segment in today's show. And today we're talking about overcoming the fear of rejection. That's right, this is a fear that is super common among people who sell for a living. It doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur and you're building your business, growing your revenue one sale at a time, or if you're a sales professional working in high ticket business to business sales, you have the fear that the person who's sitting across from you isn't going to want what you're offering. You know your product or your service is valuable. You know you're providing a fair deal to everyone with whom you work, but you're still concerned that this person is not going to like you, they're not going to trust you, they're going to say no, and that is rejection. And human beings hate rejection, and we have a fear that people are going to reject us. One thing I'll share with you very quickly before we get into this final segment is that the fear of rejection is actually worse than the rejection itself. That's right. I can't express that forcefully enough. The fear of the rejection is the coward's death. That fear of rejection is something that bothers you so much. It may be keeping you up at night when you actually get in front of people and they say, no, I'm just not interested, but thanks for stopping by, and you get rejected. It's almost a relief. That's one of the very specific and interesting little tidbits I share with you. Now let's get right to the segment so you can get more of how to overcome the fear of rejection. Here's our segment on that right now. What does it take to overcome a fear of rejection in sales? We're going to answer that question for you today on this episode of The Dave Lorenzo Daily. Hi, I'm Dave Lorenzo. This is The Dave Lorenzo Daily. And today we're talking about the fear of rejection when it comes to sales. This is a totally normal 
fear. And this holds a lot of people back. Today we're talking about the thing that holds you back from asking for the sale or the thing that holds you back from getting on the phone and talking to people about your product or service or the thing that holds you back from connecting with someone on an intimate level to develop a relationship that will benefit both of you for the long term. Fear of rejection is powerful and it is the one thing we all have in common, whether you're a natural extroverted salesperson or you're somebody who has learned to sell over time through developing relationships and using some of the techniques that I teach. The people who overcome this fear of rejection, this natural human emotion, have four things that help propel them beyond it. The first thing is folks who overcome a fear of rejection in sales acknowledge this feeling as normal. Everyone feels it. Anyone who's ever gotten up on stage and performed before an audience has felt the fear of rejection. Not feeling this fear would be abnormal. So acknowledging this fear as normal is the first step. You will be able to push through this. So acknowledging it as normal is the first step. The second step is that you have to disassociate yourself from the rejection. If people decide they don't want to buy from you, they don't want to buy your product, they don't want to buy your service, they don't want to buy right now, you have to realize it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you personally. This decision to not connect with you on a business level is about them. And once you realize this is not about you, a weight is lifted off of your shoulders. People buy for their own reasons, and people don't buy for their own reasons. You just have to help them see the opportunity that's in front of them. You develop a relationship with someone. You recommend your product or your service for them because you honestly believe that it's good for them. You honestly believe that you're helping them. People sometimes do not accept help. That's just the way life is. Sometimes people don't want to be helped. Sometimes they want to be helped, but they don't know they want to be helped. And sometimes they want to be helped, but they don't feel comfortable accepting help right now. You can't control any of those things. What you can control is offering help and demonstrating how your help will be valuable. Once you do that, it's on them. If they say no, it's about them and never about you. When you accept this as reality, you can disassociate yourself from the rejection. Realizing that the rejection is about them makes it easier for you to be okay with moving on. It makes it easier for you to be okay with the entire process. It's not about you. It's always about them. The third step in overcoming the fear of rejection in sales is learning from each attempt. Every time you offer your product or service to someone, you learn something. You learn about yourself, you learn about the process, you learn what went right, or you learn what went wrong and you make adjustments. You have to view this entire process as a learning event. This is a learning process for you. You have 
the fantastic opportunity to help someone. If they don't accept your help, you can learn from that. And that leads us to step number four in overcoming the fear of rejection in sales. Step number four is asking why, when, how, and who. I'll show you what I mean by that. If someone says they're not interested in your product or service, you say, I understand, and that's perfectly fine. Would you mind telling me why? Why don't you wanna buy right now? Why don't you want the help that I'm offering? Why? The second question to ask is, I understand, Mr. Prospect, the timing is not right. When will the timing be right? When is a good time for me to come back and help you with this problem you're having? When do you think you'll feel comfortable solving this problem? The third question to ask is how can I help you? If this service isn't right for you, if this product isn't right for you, yet you still have this problem that we discussed, how can I possibly help you? Let me know how I can help you and I'll do it. The fourth question to ask is who? If you're not the right person, Mr. Prospect, who is the right person? Who can I talk to to solve this problem? When you ask why, when, how, and who, you're learning not only about yourself and this process, but you're learning how you could help this potential prospect in the future. Rejection in sales is natural and it's normal. Learning to overcome rejection in sales is part of your ongoing process of continuous improvement. Your dedication to continuous improvement is what sets you apart from everyone else who does what you do. I thank you for joining us today here on the show and I thank you for being a member of our community. I will see you right back here again tomorrow at 9 a.m. for another edition of the show. Until then, here's hoping you do this and sell more. Give us your feedback on each episode and get access to our free sales training course at dothissellmore.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Do This, Sell More.